All right, it is the sports mashup number 21 on the 21st of July in 2021. So a lot of 21s uh, going on today as we get into this one. And we'll start in the NBA where we typically start. And the NBA Finals are finally over after them being dragged out for way too long uh, by the league. And uh, obviously the Milwaukee Bucks win four straight. And it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Have yeah, it was a fun, exciting series. At the end, Giannis drops 50, goes 17 and 19 from the free throw line, has 14 rebounds, two assists, five blocks. The Suns were 16 of 19 from the free throw line. The Bucks were 25 of 29. Booker was 8 for 22, 0 of 7 from 3. Chris Paul was had 26 points, two rebounds, five assists. And he also played with that referee who every time he refs a game of Chris Paul's, he loses. Yeah, I don't understand why the league did that. I mean, I don't really think that Scott Foster did anything wrong last night or had that bad of a game, but I don't understand why the league would do that. That just seems stupid. No, it was a game four that Foster also refed. Three. Game three. Game three, the Bucks shot or Giannis shot more free throws than the Suns did. But yeah, now you have Chris Paul's like 0 for 6 or 0 for 7 in the playoffs with Foster refing. I think it's like 13 games in a row or 12 games in a row. It's a really, he can't win when that guy refs the game. And I don't know why they're putting him in that game when it's an elimination game. That just seems stupid. Whatever. Didn't really affect the game last night, but still no, stupid. I also saw that like people were talking about this was the greatest – Finals, whatever, and then Durant said that, that them against Cleveland when LeBron was in Cleveland was one of the best. I but mean, when Giannis, KD was on the Warriors against the Cavs, they just dominated the Cavs. I mean, Giannis said it best. He's like, I could have went and left and joined somebody, and he goes, I don't want to say any names, but I could have went and got on a super team. LeBron. But I didn't. I stayed right here and won it for Milwaukee. I mean, it's a respectable, you know, move for sure. And now he wanted to do it on his own. And now all three of the Antetokounmpo brothers have won a title. A little different, though, you know. Well, yeah, his brother wins one on the bench without for the Lakers, and then his other brother wasn't even there because of COVID in in the bubble. Yeah, and then his other brother wins one. Last night for the Bucks. I mean, it's a dynasty, I guess, for them. Uh, you know. Yeah, just imagine when they go into Greek, like everything they'll, you know, the applause and everything they'll get around where they live over there. Superstars Giannis, were there to everybody. Giannis cemented himself as, I don't know if I would say NBA legend, but. You know, having a finals MVP, dropping 50 points in an elimination game in the finals, having a ring and two MVPs is pretty special. I, that's got to be one of the best lines in an elimination game in the finals. Yeah, he was spectacular. I mean, no doubt about it. 50, 14, 2, and 5. Yeah, and those some of those blocks were huge. Yeah. He showed up. 
the Suns just fell apart after the first two. I don't really know what happened, but was it a six point game or seven point game? Was that the final? 98, 105, or 104? 104, 98, I think. Yeah. I had a bet. I picked an odd boost bet. It was uh, Milwaukee minus four and a half. I took it. And they covered. Won me some money. I mean, I I know some people that put a lot of money on the Suns and swing and to miss. And when I say a lot of money, we're talking four figures. Yeah. So brutal, but hey, yeah. great experience for the Suns. I mean, you would think starting up 2 0, it would go game seven, but 2 0 in a fashion where they, you know, dominated most of the those first two games, and then just game three just completely fell apart. Milwaukee, give them props. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday started to make shots and score around Giannis, and it made a big difference. And, uh, you know, as much as I hate to see the Suns lose, it's nice to see. A team like the Bucks win, like a team that's yeah. not a super team, a team that's I mean, either, not either, from a big market. Either of those teams were the same way if either of them won it. Yeah. I think that in terms of um, where the NBA goes next season, I think I think we're going to see a couple more additions in terms of super type teams because I think where Lillard goes, if he ends up leaving, that could be something like that. And I did see something about a possible – sign and trade between the Lakers and the Wizards for Russell Westbrook. So do we see Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis? I don't know. But yeah, there's a lot of the a lot's gonna go down in the NBA. Mike's nuts too. It's like Schroeder had a really good season for the Lakers, especially when LeBron and A D were out. He was terrible in the playoffs though. And I don't think that he's the type of fit that they need. I think they need a point guard that's more of a playmaker that doesn't really you know, he can shoot when needed, but doesn't need to be like yeah. that guy. Schroeder's more of just a scorer on a bad team. That's His play style is scorer on a bad team. That's how I put it. Hmm. But, uh, okay, NFL, moving forward. Yeah, you get the Jets assistant, Greg Knapp, battling life-threatening injuries from a bicycle accident, riding his bike down this busy intersection, just got hit by a car. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's the fear of a lot of people who ride bikes in certain areas that that could happen. Yeah, well, he was, he's from somewhere in California who's riding near Oakland. I believe he's the passing game coordinator for the Jets. I think something like that, a run game coordinator, one of the two. And then you have, uh, uh, yeah. And then you have uh, the Rams. Cam Akers out for the year with a torn ACL. It's a tough break, especially for people who are – and not to minimize what happened to him, and I think that he's a big part of their offense, but, you know, these hardcore fantasy football players, that's a big, big hit to the running backs, especially a running back who's like a mid-round guy. And I'm sure we'll really get into fantasy football when football comes around in probably a month or so we'll talk about it. But, I mean, that's a brutal, brutal uh, injury to have this early and uh, – but even part of the running game. My league right now is trying to set the date to pick, and some want to go right away. And I'm like, I kind of want to wait. I'm like, these guys keep getting hurt. Imagine, like, one of the guys in our league said, they're and some of his other buddies they had drafted three weeks ago. Well, they just lost maybe their first to fourth Extreme. rounder running yeah. back. Yeah, that's brutal. 
I there was a couple years ago when Jordy Nelson tore his ACL or whatever yeah. in, in preseason. Mm-hmm. We were drafting that day. Someone had just drafted him, and then 30 minutes later is when it came up on the screen that he tore his ACL. Tough break, tough break. And then the other NFL news, we got Steelers signed Melvin Ingram to one-year deal to fill Bud Dupree's spot at the end or outside linebacker, whatever they're going to call him. I can't. I didn't know that the Chargers didn't have him signed anymore. I knew he was a free agent. I didn't know if he would go back to the Chargers, but this is a smart signing by Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah, I don't know if he's Bud Dupree's level. I don't think so anymore, but he's still effective. But he hasn't been in the league very long. Like five years, six years. But he is like 30 or 31 now, so. He was a stud in college. And he started out hot in the NFL, and then he kind of just dwindled and got put in the shadow. When him and Bosa were on the field for the Chargers a couple years ago, they were very hard to play against. That was that Charger team. I think it was 2019, so the last year that Rivers was there that people thought could go into New England and beat them, and they got destroyed. Yeah, because they had they had pretty good corners, those two, and you still had uh, – I forget what they're inside. Um, Corey Legit, I think is his name. Yeah. He was a um, defensive tackle. Stud, he was from U of I. They were healthy in the back end, too, in the secondary, and that helped. But, yeah, this is a smart signing by Pittsburgh. And then who was it? Um, There was a guy who me and our buddy Tyler played at U of I, and we went to the Penn State U of I game, and he was making every tackle. And Stud had a good year last year again, and Tyler texted me the other day that he passed away. Bobby Roundtree, yeah. Yeah, Bobby Roundtree. I'm swearing against Against Penn State, against Penn State, I swear he had 25 tackles. He was running people down. Great guy, great player. He had an accident that I believe paralyzed him about a year ago and uh, passed away last week. So thoughts out to his family and the Illini family, of course. Um, We'll transition into some good news, the Illini nation sports nation got which was Kofi Coburn returning to Illinois which really takes them from a lower you know 20 to 25 ranked team to a likely top 10 preseason team I think they'll hover right around in the rankings with a with a Duke or a Kentucky I, I think the, 11 range. The, the preseason ranking I just saw they were at 12 after he yeah, did this it's about 8 to 12 Duke was at 10. I forgot who the other, the rest of the top 10 was, but Illini was at 12. I saw one with uh, Illinois at 11 and then Duke at 10 and Kentucky at 9. So it's right around the same range for most. But this elevates them a lot when you get an All American back. And, you know, yeah. I think Brad Underwood's really saved by getting him back. It would have been pretty messy without him. They would have been good, but they're much better with him. And then other big news, Marcus Carr, the number one transfer that was still in the portal, chooses to go to Texas over Australia, Louisville, Kentucky, and Kansas. Yeah, I think there's a lot of rumblings that he might go overseas and play in Australia, but I always thought he would go to Texas because think of it this way. There's a ton of talent there. You have good coaching. They might lack a little bit of shooting and scoring at the guard position, and that's exactly what he does. He's an all-Big Ten caliber player in Minnesota. 
Texas is going to be the unanimous number two team, I think, in the preseason behind Gonzaga going into it. So this is a really uh, – I mean, Chris Beard yeah. leaves Texas Tech, goes to Texas. He's gotten so many great players on an already good roster. Yeah. And they didn't lose much. No, they lost a couple. They lost Greg Brown to the draft who struggled as a freshman. But their front course ridiculously deep. And then the other big signing, Oklahoma State keeps getting players. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma have gotten I don't know how many transfers since we've started doing this. A seven-foot center, Musa Sissy, transfers from Memphis to Oklahoma State. Yeah, he's another guy that was looked at as like a five-star recruit going to Memphis. Only averaged 6.6 rebounds last season. Didn't really fit well with Penny Hardaway at Memphis. But uh, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma – you mentioned both of them. They're both doing like a retool. Like Oklahoma State loses Cade Cunningham. They lose a couple other guys. They got a retool. Uh, then you look at Oklahoma, yeah. Long Kruger retires. They bring in Porter Moser. Austin Reeves and Brady Manick are gone. They got a retool their roster. So, yeah, both of them at least gotten like five transfers in since we started covering this. Yep. I would agree. They've made a lot of moves, but uh, on to golf. The Open Championship last weekend, the winner, Colin Morikawa. Wins 2.1 million, shot 15 under over in England. I was pulling hard for Jordan Spieth, but I'm very happy to see Morikawa win. I am on record as of last August when he won the PGA Championship that he was the next big thing. So people should be sending me checks for nailing that, even though I was along with other people on that one when he won it. But two majors already, I mean. I feel bad. Louis, I don't even know how you say his last name. He gets up there at the top. He stays there, stays there, stays there, and then he always ends up losing by like one to two strokes. It's and most of the time, it's not really a collapse. It's just like him playing average and people just passing him. Like he didn't play yeah. that badly. He was perfect like throughout the first three days and barely had the lead going into the fourth day. And then starting tomorrow, you have the three M Open, defending champion Michael Thompson. T at TPC Twin Cities, Blaine, Minnesota. It's a nice course, but not a lot of big names in it this week. You know, you'll, you'll have Olympic golf coming soon. Speaking of which, are we going to pick some some gambling odds next week for the Olympics? I think we probably should. Yeah, I was looking at what was coming up like tomorrow and stuff, but it was all like archery and. Yeah, I think we'll pick more like maybe some golf stuff if there's odds for that basketball. Uh, you know, beach volleyball is one of my specialties. There's a women's basketball, but it said three x three. So I'm like, is there three on three women's basketball in the Olympics, or what that means? <laughs> so I just left yeah. it alone. But it's gonna be hard to gauge. I think it's gonna be a random winning the three uh, M Open. That's why my odd odds picks for it this week are all over the place. So. Yeah, I was looking for Kisner, and he's not playing. Yeah, I was hoping he's playing. I would have picked him in a heartbeat, obviously. So I was hoping maybe you did, and I couldn't find him, and I was going to wait till you called him out, and I was going to scribble my last one out and put him in, but I he wasn't he's not playing. He played very well at the Open the first two days, then really fell apart. But yeah. He's been playing good, so hopefully, you know, you got the FedEx Cup stretch coming up. Hopefully you can get back out there. and Maybe him and, him and Trent will go down to Georgia together. They should do that, yeah. Help him break 100. Oh, what's this MLB news you got here? Yeah, apparently your mean Mercedes is quote-unquote retiring or taking a break from baseball. Very weird cryptic 
Instagram messaging about this. He's definitely taking a break. I don't know if he's retiring, but he did say that it's, quote, over. Um, you know, he's 28 years old, batted 271, seven home runs, 37 RBIs, 262 plate appearances for the White Sox. He was recently sent down to AAA, and he was batting like 307 there. I don't know what's going on with him, but, I mean, I don't well, know. He started the year with what – what do you hit? He's batting like 400 in the first month. Did he hit three home runs in his first game? I can't remember. Sounds That sounds right. I don't really remember, though. By the time we hit July, my baseball knowledge from April is like shit. And then he also hit the homer when the – um Yeah, when the position player was pitching. Yeah, and they threw a fit over it. And then – LaRusa didn't like that. No. Yeah, LaRusa went with everyone else over his own player. Yeah, that's a weird situation. I don't know what's happening with him, but we'll see. And then the fan who hit Alex Fertugo – Was it at Yankee or at Boston? Yankee Stadium. Uh, Banned for life from all MLB parks. Really stupid move by him. I mean, I feel like in those situations, the players should just be able to get a free shot at him. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's an overreaction to ban him for life from all stadiums, but don't do stupid things, I guess, is kind of what they're going for. I think with the amount of things that have happened in sports with fans recently, most of it being – so stupid and awful moves by fans. I think these punishments are going to be pretty severe when something happens. Also, by the way, it is in the bottom of the tent, no outs. Uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado on first and second. O'Neill's up to bat. Yep, I saw the they turned like a weird double play in the tenth or something, but and. Th- the Dodgers are still beating the Giants two to one bottom eight. It's a hell of a series they got going there. But also we had uh, Jarrett Pettit, the son of Andy Pettit, our Yankee great, agrees to terms with the Marlins with Jeter squad. He had a five point one one eight ERA in thirteen games for Dallas Baptist University, undrafted. I mean, you know, Jeter, Jeter doing a favor for his former teammate, what, maybe. I'm sure this has got to be that. He I, he went 12 and one in high school. I'm sure, the when, kid's got talent, you know. Yeah, 12 and one in high school. Played in some high school in Houston. Lance Berkman was his ba- his coach. Yep. But yeah, I have a feeling that's a favor from Dad. But we'll see if he comes up. But the top three teams before this other game ends because the uh, Giants and the Dodgers are one uh, Dodgers are one game behind. Uh, the Giants sit at 59 and 33, Dodgers at 59 and 37, the White Sox at 58 and 38. So if the Dodgers win, it'll be all tied up at the top of who's above the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a race to the finish. I, I think the Giants can win the division, but I don't know how far they could go in the postseason. I, I mean, people have been doubting them all season. They've been proving them wrong. They have a lot of injuries, though. Like Posey's been hurt. Belt's been hurt. Crawford's been hurt. So we'll see how long this is sustainable. I, you'd have to think the Dodgers take over at some point. but Yeah, and know. I'm surprised they're still winning. I mean, Bauer's still out. For Everyone knows what's going on with Trevor He's Bauer. He's going to be gone for a while. 
probably. But they keep they keep extending. It was a week at a time, week at a time. Then it was a they made a two week one. But I mean, make that, it the rest of the season, rest of the year soon. That was a key starter for them. They paid a lot of money. And it was I think like he's an NBA get, contract. I, I think he's still getting paid while he's out. Probably, yes. That contract for Bauer was essentially an NBA contract. Like if you have an NBA contract, like what Chris Paul would get, like a two-year or a three-year deal, but it's like a two-plus-one with an option, so it's essentially a two-year $80 million deal. That's pretty much what Bauer got, so – O'Neal yeah. O'Neal struck out swinging Yachty's up. Oh, what's he gonna do? Come on, Yachty! All right, we have a big portion of the show here, the NHL portion, since hockey's one of my uh, big specialties. Um, Yachty walks it off, by the way, so the game is over. Um, anyway, the 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 thing with the NHL tonight is, of course, the expansion draft. So. I'm not going to get too deep into this because I think a lot of people listening to this probably don't know a lot about hockey, but, you know, maybe they, they would like to know more. But, you know, um, I spend most of my time in sports uh, covering and learning about hockey and the ins and outs. But, you know, we got a couple things to cover. First of all, our teams, the Bruins and the Blues and who they lost. First of all, with your Bruins, uh, Jeremy Lauzon, the 24-year-old defenseman, is the pick uh, for the Kraken. The way that I look at this is – you know, if I'm the Bruins, I would have rather lost Connor Clifton over yeah. Lauzon, but Lauzon's a very solid uh, young defenseman with control, RFA status. And I think the amount of defensemen that Seattle drafted makes me hesitant on whether the picks from our two teams that were both young defensemen, whether they actually stick or not. Because you look at who they got. Hayden Fleury is going to be a guy that plays there. Mark Giordano, despite the trade rumors, is going to be a guy who plays there. They just signed Alexiak and Larson to contracts. So I don't know if those guys – I could see one of those two being flipped or not, you know, sticking early. No, if they would have taken DeBrusque, I would have been totally fine with it. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with DeBrusque. I, I don't think that a trade is imminent. Um, I do think that they'll look into it. But the return is like, you know, what are you going to – like he's probably going to play third-line minutes, you'd have to think, this season because the top six is pretty much figured out because – I mean, the worst kept secret in hockey right now is that Taylor Hall is going to resign. So um, I would think that you'd have a Krejci Hall Smith combination on the second line, unless they have DeBrusque in there and Smith on the third, which I don't think they would do. But no, because you know. still have um, oh, the guy from Boston. Oh, I can't remember his name. Oh. I can't believe, I think he's a winger. I think he's the third line winger. I don't remember. I don't have a mind blank. Uh, anyway, for the Blues, in terms of losing Vince Dunn, you know, I would have been perfectly fine with them taking Tarasenko and then trading him, but they didn't. So the Tarasenko trade is going to be one that the Blues will get a return on. So that's good for them. Uh, the fact they're going to get something for Tarasenko is fine. I don't like losing Dunn. I think I like losing Dunn less than the front office does. I don't think the front office really cared. They've been trying to trade him for a while. I think he's a guy as an RFA who Seattle could trade. Um, I don't know if they will. But you look at their left-handed defenseman, you'd think they're set. I mean, Flurry, Giordano, and Alexiak is seemingly – all three of those guys were in jerseys there tonight, which tells you they're going to be on the team. So we'll Charlie, see. Charlie Coyle. Coyle, yeah. He's – I mean, he's uh, he's the type of player that 
Boston did not expose in the draft, but if they would have, I don't think Boston fans would have expected him to be taken anyway. No, that's um, the line with it's him, Richie, and um, Andre Cates. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to stick. I think DeBrusque, I don't know what's going to happen with DeBrusque. That'll be interesting to see. But other notable picks by Seattle, you had uh, at least notable for me, Yanni Gord, the uh, forward from Tampa Bay, who's a, a really, really solid uh, third line. He'll probably play second line in uh, with, with Seattle. But Jared McCann's another solid third line uh, winger or center, wherever they put him, who was traded by Pittsburgh to Toronto, and then Toronto exposed him and he gets taken. Jordan Eberle, a winger from the Islanders, uh, clearing more cap space for the Islanders. They're going to have a lot of cap space to work with. Uh, you also had Kale Flurry and Hayden Flurry, the Flurry brothers taken. Uh, there's now been three Flurries taken in the last two expansion drafts, counting Mark Andre Flurry. Um, Are they brothers? No, Mark Andre Flurry is not related to the other two, but I didn't think Hayden so. Flurry and Kale Flurry are brothers. Uh, then other than that, I mean, Jonas Donskoy is a solid pickup. You look at their goaltending, they got Chris Drieger, who they signed to a three-year deal. He'll be oh, likely Florida, the right? starter from Florida. And then you had uh, Joey Decord, a young goaltender from Ottawa, and then Vitek Vanacek, a perfect young backup for this team. Who uh, That's a tough loss for Washington because he was pretty good for them, and they didn't have Lundqvist to start the season. He couldn't play at all. They have to protect Samsonov. Now they lose Vanacek. That's a tough break. I wonder if they would have exposed, you know, maybe like a different uh, player, like maybe if TJ Oshie were an option, Seattle goes that route with him being from there, but that contract's really tough. But that's pretty much all I got to say about the expansion draft. I mean, we're going to see a lot of trades tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, they said that they weren't picking superstars. They wanted to pick a group of people that wanted to win together this team on paper defensively is good the forward group needs a lot of work the goaltending as much as i like Drager, i don't know how great that goaltending combo would be for a good team but they're going to make some trades i'm sure most of those players in that list or some of them will definitely be moved out and uh i don't know we'll see the forward group needs a lot of work though because they really don't have any true first line forwards i mean i guess Everly's the closest to that but uh, it is a trade back. The Bruins send DeBrusque for Lazan back. <laughs> well, I don't think that Seattle would, would go for that unless the Bruins <laughs> added in a nice second-round pick or something like that. But, uh, you know. I'm sure that would be a viable choice, though, if you can get him back and get rid of DeBrusque's contract and everything. Yeah, a couple other notes before I get into the draft. Um, there are apparently going to be multiple trades, probably between other teams too, other than Seattle. I wonder if the Tarasenko trade goes down in the next few days, and I wonder what kind of trades we see at the draft. But uh, the roster freeze is done at 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, so teams will start opening back up for business. Uh, I did mention earlier Taylor Hall likely to return to Boston. Four-year deal, $6 million per year. That's a great number. Clearly he likes being there. I think he fits well there. I think he wants to win. Uh, that is a really good number to get him at, even if he's not the old Taylor Hall. I yeah. mean, he's still going to get you 25-plus, I'd have to think. Cause, I mean, because Krejci helps so many guys out. Yeah, he's a great fit there. And you're getting him at much less than he was playing at last year. I think he – what yeah. did he sign out? One year, $8 million or $9 million last year. So, And Boston didn't have to pay any of that. 
Nope, and they didn't have to give that that much to get him. Uh, the Kraken, like I mentioned, locked in Jamie Lexiak, five year, four point six million uh, per year deal. I like Lexiak a lot. Five years scares me. He's a big defenseman though, uh, really solid. Um, you know, I think is he a left shot or a right shot? I can't remember. Uh, but this guy's a right shot, and he was traded straight up for Taylor Hall back in the day. Adam Larson, four year, four mil per. Great deal there. I think he's a very solid defenseman, uh, especially defensively. That's pretty much all he does. He really provides nothing offensively. But speaking of the Oilers who lose Larson in this deal, uh, they're looking to sign Zach Hyman of the Leafs. We could see the rights being traded from Toronto to Edmonton, or he just hits the open market and signs there. I think that contract's going to be a complete overpay, but we'll see. And they're looking to re-sign Tyson Berry, who, by the way, Tyson Berry became the first player in National Hockey League history to lead the league in points as a defenseman and not get a single vote for the Norris. So that's pretty interesting and very silent. And he was drafted from the Avs, right? That's where he started. Yeah, he went Avs, then he was traded to the Leafs last year, and then now he signed a one-year in Edmonton and he'll probably re-sign. It helps playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl to get your point count up if you're Tyson Berry, but yeah. uh, he had a great season. Um, anyway, real quick, we'll talk NHL entry draft. My official lottery mock draft, only uh, 15 picks here. I'm just going to run them down. I don't think this will happen this way, but this is how I would do it if I were the GMs of these teams. Okay, number one, Buffalo Sabres take William Eklund, who's a center or winger, whichever one you classify him as, a big Swedish player who's rising up the ranks. Uh, the guy who's brother, likely, Do you already have a brother in the league? I don't think Eklund did, no. But there's some guys on here that did, or parents that were in the league. I thought Eklund was a guy. Probably a name close to that. There's Ekholm from Nashville. Um, number two, the Seattle Kraken take – Defenseman out of the University of Michigan, Owen Power, who likely will be the number one pick. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks take defenseman Brant Clark from the Barry Colts in the OHL. The Devils take Jack Hughes' brother, Luke Hughes, uh, defenseman. I just think that's a slam dunk. The guy who will likely be the number two pick, Matt Matt Beneers, the University of Michigan center, goes to Columbus at five. First goaltender off the board, Jesper Wallstedt, slam dunk number one goaltender. Could be the best goaltender in the draft since Vasilevsky, apparently. Goes to Detroit at six. Number seven, Dylan Ginther, uh, winger from the Edmonton Oil Kings of the WHL to San Jose. Kings at number eight get defenseman Simon Edvinson, who's a stud on the back end, does a lot of things well in all three zones. Number nine, a guy who's rising up the board, center and winger, Mason McTavish from the Vancouver Canucks get him. Ottawa gets a great, solid centerman out of the University of Michigan, Kent Johnson at 10. Arizona forfeits their pick at 11. Center Chaz Lucius, probably the best name in the draft, goes to Chicago at 12. Defenseman Corson Kuhlmans at 13 goes to Calgary. A controversial player in terms of what people think he could end up being, Fabian Lysel goes to Philadelphia at 14. 15, Dallas gets one of the best Russian players, Nikita Chibrikov, the winger. And then 16, the Rangers get a possible steal defenseman Carson Lambos. So we'll see. I don't think it goes down that way, but if I were picking in those spots, that is who I would take. Uh, then just in terms of our teams for the Blues, I think Sasha Pastujov, Pastujov from the U.S. National Development Program would be a great fit. Um, What's he? Oh, he oh, is man. a winger. I did not mention that because I didn't even see it there when I wrote it, but uh, I think either him or Scott Morrow would be probably viewed as a reach, but I like both of them. Uh, for the Bruins, I think – Winger Sam Samu Tumala, Tumala, I believe, from uh, Carpat Liga uh, in the uh, Finnish league would fit well 
I've spoken to a couple people, by the way, a couple draft people that I know um, that cover the NHL draft and pretty much breathe it uh, livingly. I mean, it's insane, but uh, they say he's the best finished player over Aturati. Aturati was once thought of as a top three prospect in this draft last year before falling off. I think he'll go 22nd to Minnesota, but Tumala's a legit winger, and I think Boston would run to take one of those two finish wingers um, at 21, but we'll see. that The draft, by the way, is Friday, so a couple days after we upload or recording this, I suppose. So we'll just go to college football now after we get the NHL stuff out of the way and uh, bada bing, bada boom. NHL free agency is next Wednesday, by the way. So we'll record next Wednesday night. We'll have a lot to discuss on the first day of signings there. So college football. Yeah, you got uh, Nick Saban coming out and saying his sophomore quarterback who is not – Name the star yet? Bryce Young approaching one million dollars in endorsements since the NIL has come into effect, which is outrageous. But good for him. I don't know how much of this is true and how much of this is a Saban recruiting pitch to high school coaches. Is who he's talking to, I believe. Yeah, that's where he was at when he said it. Somewhere in yeah. Dallas, I believe. Yep, and we all know Texas is the uh, the big state when it comes to high school football. So um, good for Bryce Young, though. Very talented quarterback. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, yeah, a guy who's not named the starter yet at at Alabama. We all know he's a stud, though. I mean, there's no doubt he's going to be a stud. Yeah. Um, people say he might, if he starts this year, he's a front runner for the Heisman. He'll be right there. I think Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma has something to say about that, too. Yeah. Um, Dabo not in favor of inevitable 12-team college football playoff. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, because he's like, if the one already gets destroyed or destroys the four, what's the one going to do to the 12? I more or less think it's what it's, you know, what are the other teams going to be like, the five and six or the – Six and seven games. But here's the best part of these types of things. What if the 12 beats the one? Exactly. Know? We're it's like, like you March know, Madness. the four with the uh, nine. Some of those teams are close and can battle. And, and matchup, it's all it depends on matchups. That's like saying if the one, if like, if the one seed in college basketball destroys like the the uh I don't know, let's say they beat the eight seed and there's a Cinderella 13 seed in the sweet 16 that beats them. That's like saying, okay, the one already destroyed the eight seed. What's the one gonna do to the Cinderella 13 seed in the sweet 16? Then the Cinderella 13 seed beats them in the sweet 16, yeah. you know. So sorry, Dabo, that you had you just had Trevor Lawrence to be able to run through the four the four seed in the college Sean Watson before that. Yeah. So sorry you were able to destroy the four seed then, and you don't know what your team's going to be like this year. They'll be good, though. I mean, DJ Uangalele, the quarterback, is pretty good. But, I mean, you don't know this isn't going into effect this year, so yeah, just shut up Dabo and coach. I agree. I like Dabo, but this is just a stupid opinion. And then the NCAA president made $2.9 million last year amid revenue drops. That's disgusting. 
they're barely giving money to these colleges during COVID, blah, blah, even though they're the schools are having to pay for all the testing on all these athletes and everything. We all and know you, the NCAA sucks. I mean, yeah. And the president's still making $2.9 million, even though their revenue dropped. $2.9 million to pretty much do nothing but look like an idiot, which is a hard job because not, not a lot of people like to look like idiots in the public, but he does. Yeah. And then my last part of the NCAA football is LSU's Orgeron says Tigers have two championship quarterbacks. I don't even know who either of their quarterbacks is. I don't either, but he said he's got two championship quarterbacks. That's coach speak right there. I mean, good for him if they do. They haven't had really a standout quarterback other than Joe Burrow in the last, like, 15 years, if not longer. Let me see if I, I mean, you had what's his name, the the big, the big big quarterback who went to Oakland and then dropped off the face of the earth. Probably talking about Miles Brennan and somebody else. I know Miles Brennan was the starter last year. He's a senior, six four two ten. He looks like a kicker, if you ask me. But anyway, um, final college football thing: Oklahoma and Texas have looked into moving out of the Big Twelve. And apparently they're going to, according to a report that I saw, they're going to petition to join the SEC. So not surprising, kind of weird. I don't know if it'll actually happen, but I don't yeah. know what to make are, of this. Are there any other SEC teams in Texas? Texas A&M. Which were in the Big 12 before, correct? I don't remember. What I don't understand is why Missouri is in the SEC. They should be in the Big 12 over, you know, Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, maybe that's something if one of these teams do do it, they switch them. I think Missouri would have something to say about that. Missouri could maybe compete at least better in the Big 12 in both sports or all sports. But you make more money in the SEC. Yeah. Because you're gonna get more TV time. <clears throat> yeah, and you get to get you get everyone gathered around to watch you lose by 40 to Alabama. It's a tradition. But I mean, if you could sit there during the um, rivalry game between Illinois and Missouri, if it's Big Ten versus Big Twelve, then a little different than yeah. the bottom of the barrel SEC versus Illinois, who's now in top five of the Big Ten. Yeah, it's in basketball, a, definitely in basketball, football. You know, they're more of a lower-level football program, but maybe they'll find it with Bielma. We'll see. But, uh, all right, with that being said, let's get into the gambling betting picks of the week. We had our baseball game canceled due to COVID. So we only had one game last week, which is the NBA Finals game, I believe game four, um, which I picked the Bucks to win. So I went 1-0 uh, so for the week. And then my golf picks, Rom finished – tied for third. Kepka finished tied for sixth. Fleetwood finished tied for 33rd and Kisner finished tied for or finished 73rd. So four guys made the cut, two in the top 10, three in the top 40. Uh, I had Dustin Johnson uh, shoot negative seven tied for eighth. Rory tied for 46 and even. Lee Westwood was two over tied for 59th and then I had Kisner at plus five finished in 73rd. I also picked the Bucks 1 and 0. I'm now 65 and 57. 
I'm 67 and 52. Big week ahead here. Big week. And then golf this week at a 3M Open. I have Dustin Johnson plus 700. I have Louis at plus 1400. Matthew Wolf at plus 2800. And Brant Snedeker at plus 6000. I really went all over the place here. I have Patrick Reed plus 1600. Hank Lebiota, a lefty who's been playing very well recently, plus 4500. Brendan Todd, who found himself. Near the top of leaderboards in some events last year, but he's kind of struggled this year, plus 6,500. And Sep Straka, plus 15,000. I was going to pick one of the randoms who's at plus 50,000, but I didn't want to go that far. So there you go. Baseball. Yeah, who do you got? We've got five picks this week. All I know is that I forgot to pick a fifth, so I'm going to do that now while you go ahead and do yours. Uh, I have the Braves minus 125 over the Phillies. I got the Rays minus 145 over Cleveland. I got the Cardinals minus 125 over the Cubs. Kim's pitching tomorrow. I got the Twins minus 140 over the Angels. And the Dodgers minus 170 over San Fran. Walker Bueller's pitching that game. That should be a win because I have the Dodgers as well. Did you get yours all in there? Yep. All right. I have the Cardinals minus 125 against the Cubs. I have the Braves minus 125 against the Phillies. Dodgers minus 170 against the Giants. Red Sox minus 120 against the Yankees. Rangers plus 105 at the Tigers. There you go. There's the five picks. San Fran is now up 3-2 to two in the top of the ninth with two guys on, one out. So it could be another – uh, game up on the Dodgers there. We'll see if anything changes in terms of our top teams in the league as of next week. Lots to cover next week. NHL free agency, Olympics action, MLB stuff. Golf starts to heat up a little bit more here, even though the majors are done for the year. Lots still to happen. We'll see you for all that and more. Last July episode, number 22, next Wednesday on the 28th.